Last Resort by Amelia Wilde Emerson LeBlanc lost more than an acquisition. He lost the woman he loves. There's no redemption for a man with his past. No future for a relationship built on stalking and kidnapping. At least that's what he believes. When he meets Daphne again, she's not a piece of art. She's a woman determined to paint a new path for herself, for him. Except the ocean holds more than shadows. It holds danger that could ruin them both. That's Last Resort by Amelia Wilde. It's live today. Go grab it now, lady listeners. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, welcome back to Read Me Romance. We've got Claire Hastings this week with a brand new audiobook for us called Assist. It is one of the books in her series, um, an Atlanta Rising Football Club novella. So Atlanta Rising is the name of the football club that she's featuring. And so all of them have like the little logo on the cover and stuff, which I appreciate because it makes it easier sort of knowing like which which books go with what. Yeah. (laughs) And you're trying to find. You can really tell. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find a new series and stuff. Yeah. So she sent us all this good stuff on how this is related. She has a new book that's out today, Offsides, which comes before this, but everything can be read as a standalone. So this is a great way to sort of like sample her book. And if you like this, then there's a whole series that you can jump into after it. So which is really exciting. That's my favorite when they do that, when they like give a taste of a series. And that way you get a nice feel for it. And you're like, okay, I can go get more if I want. Yep. I feel the same way. It's great. And so, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll tell you all about her good stuff and everything else she's got in just a little bit. So have you been reading anything good lately? I actually did. I've read some historicals the other day. Oh, wow. Cause I was going through. Oh, that's right. You said you read some older historicals, right? Yeah. By Lacey Thorne. It was called the war King's bounty and the war King's captive. And like, I, I start it. these books. I know the, description let you know it's like it's kind of dark obsessive mm-hmm. heroes all in but when the book starts and i'm reading because i've read her before and how her heroes can be um so i get in there and she gets in the first few pages and this hero is really sticking his foot in his <laughs> fucking mouth <laughs> and I'm just like, I love it. I love too, it. Like you know, I'm like reading it, and as mm-hmm. irritated I am that he's being such a dick, which you can already tell he's obsessed. I mm-hmm. love when heroes don't realize how obsessed they are. Yeah, when they're yeah. like going, that is a shock emotions. to them. Yeah, they're like that they're so obsessed. Yeah, what? I'm in love with her. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so he's like going through these motions, but he's being a dick, like a major dick. And this whole time, I'm just like evil laughing inside. So I'm like, you're going to eat all of these words. <laughs> I love it. So it was fun. I read that when I immediately seen that there was another one for like the brother or whatever. And you're like, like, I'm yes. in. You're like, so I'm in. Like, I'm going down this rabbit hole. Back to back. And then That's I was awesome. pissed that there was no more. <laughs> There's only the two? There's only the two. I wonder if she'll do more or not. I mean, if you guys go out there and read them and buy them and the series sells well, I'm sure there will be more. So So Mel say not so subtly buy these fucking books. (laughs) Read them with me so there'll be more. I just really like that they were like 130, 40 pages. So I read them. I like that. You know, not a a big commitment. Yeah. So 
it was really nice. So it's just easy, laid back reading. Because it I love reminded that. me, you know, Danny Watt had done historicals, and I don't think that those maybe they sold well, but I didn't see them around that much. But I love them. They're like actually some of my favorite books of hers. I think people see the historicals at a glance, mm-hmm. but I think they forget when these authors that mm-hmm. write these short taboo kind of books that Alexa Riley writes too, when they do mm-hmm. these random historicals, you're getting these heroes that get to be even more over the top. Cause they're like mm-hmm. barbarians and shit. Yep. So even that. if you're not into historicals, it's like, no, you got to do these with these authors. Yeah. It's still amazing. Yeah. Yes. I ordered a Joanna Lindsay book after we talked about it last week. They didn't have it in audio and I was like, I don't really want to read it in Kindle. This is old school. Like, mm-hmm. let me go paperback. So I did. I ordered the paperback of Prisoner of Desire by Julia Lindsay because I'm like, I have to read this book now. Like, it just sounded so good when we were talking about the it book last week. Yeah. yeah. So, so I ordered it. I ha- it hasn't come in yet. It was like a week or something before it was going to be. I was like, what is this? Russia? I'm pretty like, sure. What's I've this read taking it. so long? Like, unless there's another book a lot like it, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. pretty sure 100% I've read it. Mm-hmm. But it's just been so, did, so long. I'm excited to read it. I've never but read it, but I have something. heard people talk about it. If I read this book like seven years ago, and I can still remember at least chunks of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, which is crazy. But like the good ones like that, they'll stick with you forever. But it's again, it's that over the top, even crazier obsessed. Those are the ones that you'll never forget. Those because it's just that side of crazy. Yeah. But um, I also started the book you had asked me to listen to, The Last Eligible Bachelor or Last Eligible Billionaire by Pippa Pippa Grant. And so I started listening to it and I'm on like chapter five. And I think so far, this is your book. Like you need to you need to listen to this book because this heroine, like (laughs) she's a mess. She's like she's a fucking mess. So it opens the book, the book fucking opens with this guy going in. He's this billionaire who's just left his brother's wedding and he wants to be alone. So he goes to his house in Maine. That's private. He's ditched his security detail. He has no cell phone service, whatever. He goes in and his house is like a mess. The refrigerator doors wide open. There's muddy feet print everywhere. There's paint splattered. Like, and he goes upstairs and this woman, it's like early in the morning. It's like maybe before the sun comes up or something. This woman is in his bathroom. She's got on an open bathrobe. She has hair dye on her hair, green stuff on her face, and she's waxing her bikini line. And she's <laughs> like, she's like, intruder, intruder, marshmallow, sick him. And it's like her dog named Marshmallow. <laughs> And she is so, she's like, what are you doing here? You're breaking and entering. He was like, this is my fucking house. She was like, do you mean to tell me that the $50 a night mansion was a scam? <laughs> like, like she's so stupid. That's amazing. Okay, I'm going to read know. that. I know. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to it and I stopped at chapter five and I was like, Mel, really, this is her bug. She needs to read this. <laughs> like, it's just. Like, I don't know if I can keep going. That's how over the top she is. Oh, my God. But the, when I was listening to it, though, I kept thinking, Mel would love this book. She's so, she's so, like, I don't know. She killed me. I laughed so hard because I was like, really? This is crazy. But it's one of those things where it's just, it's just that side of crazy, mm-hmm. you know? 
I love that I think side you'd love it. Yeah, I know. I'm here I, I for was going to say, <laughs> I think you would love it. Like, she was just, um, she's a mess. She's a whole fucking, she's just gotten a divorce. And so he asked her what her, what her name is. And she was like, hold on. And she had to think about it. And he was like, what, why do you have to think about your last name? What's happening? And she was like, I just didn't expect to get this emotional. <laughs> like, I can't. I can't with this book. So, yeah, it was really funny so far. It's short. It's only eight hours. The book like is. It's like only eight hours. <laughs> it's, it is. That is short for, uh, for a book. But for me, anyways, that was pretty short. But, yeah, it was really cute. I started it today, and I sw- I've listened up to Chapter 5. So I thought it was really cute. I just wanted to mention it to you while I was listening because I just thought, okay, Mel, told me, Mel sent it, and you were like, just read it. Just let me know if it's any good. And I was reading. I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to love this. <laughs> I don't even know what happens, but you're. I just have a feeling it's okay. It's all, all right. going to be okay. So I had a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Oh, I did want to uh, update the we finished the Hunger Games this weekend. Oh, my daughter you did? and I it went we went on. Yep, we watched um, the second one on Saturday, and we watched the third and fourth one on Sunday. And so she asked me beforehand. So there's a cat in the oh, movies. God. And she asked me, she was like, does the cat die? And I was like, no, it actually, like, I remember being shocked the cat didn't die when I read it. Cause that, so I knew for certain the cat didn't die. So this is a little bit of spoiler if you haven't read the Hunger Games, but, um, at the very end, her sister dies and the cat kind of belonged to her sister. And so I had told Lydia beforehand, I was like, we had gotten to the very end and it was right before the part. And I was like, Lydia, I'm just going to fast forward through this. This is a really tough part. I don't think you want to watch. So her sister dies. And she was like, oh no. Okay. Yeah. Fast forward. And it's actually a really fucked up part in the book because it's like, they, did you ever watch the Hunger Games? Did you read the books? So there's like this part in it at the very end where they release all these bombs over like where these women and children are and like everybody gets wiped out. And it's basically the catalyst that ends the war. And so I get why it had to happen in the books, but it's really horrible to read it. It's awful. And her sister is a medic and that's how she dies because she goes to save these children and she's blown up in the blast. Anyways. So afterwards, um, I fast forward through it, explain what happens. We go to the end of it and the cat is there in the house, like at the very end of it. And Katniss is there and she's all like sad and broken because she's like lost everybody and she's alone and the cat's there and she sees them and she gets so mad and she starts like throwing stuff at the cat and she was like, she's dead. She's gone. She's never coming back. And the cat just sits there and like waits for her to like cry, you know, because, and then like the cat like comforts her, mm-hmm. even though the cat has hated her through the whole series, yeah. the cat like hisses at her every time, but it's like, they both miss her. Yeah. And so like, she's holding the cat and crying and I look over and Lydia's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I felt so bad. I was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I was like, I didn't mean to make you sad. She was like, the cat just really loved her. <laughs> I was like, she's just so tender with animals and stuff. Like, any kind of animal in a movie or a book or whatever. Like, she just can't read it if something happens to an animal. You know what I think it is? It's the innocence within an animal. Generally, our animals don't hurt us. They comfort yeah, us. Yeah, for They're sure. They're always there for us. So, in movies, when something mm-hmm. happens to them, it's very... Hard. Yeah. For us, when a person dies on screen, we can rationalize, mm-hmm. well, 
who's an asshole and this yeah exactly this is yeah bad things Mm -hmm. but animals to us are like they don't yeah and a friend of mine even said like when i was talking about it um, on Facebook, I'd posted about it. She commented. She said, I think it's because we are the ones that advocate for animals. We're the ones that are supposed to protect them. Mm-hmm. You know, so when something bad happens to them, it's like we feel responsible. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, wow, that, that that made a lot of sense to me, too, when she said that that way. But, but yeah, so, so we finished watching The Hunger Games. But I asked her, you know, afterwards, she was like, it was intense, but I really liked it. And I was like, okay. So that made me kind of, I was like, okay, I'm glad we watched it together at least. I don't know what we're going to watch next, but hopefully something doesn't fuck her up. <laughs> so <laughs> we, um, we did watch Turning Red this weekend. Did you see that on Disney that came out this weekend? It's a new pix. It's a new Pixar movie. It's, um, about this girl. Um, she's, she's, um, Chinese Canadian. She looks adorable. And, um, I just Googled that. Yeah, it's really, really cute. So it's really about kind of a coming of age story where um this girl This uh, red panda she, looks adorable. He's giant. Oh, that's her. She turns into a red panda. Wow. And so she turns I don't know how I think she's thirteen. And so she wakes up one morning and she's a panda. I love and red her pandas. Like, Oh my God, I know. So she runs into the bathroom and her mom's like, what happened? Are you okay? Like, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing, I'm fine. She was like, oh my God, she's got her period. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what her mom thinks is like, you know, she's going through puberty. And in reality, it's like part of their family. It's not like a curse or anything, but like in their family, the women will turn into pandas, but there's a way to banish it. Like you, there's a, like a ceremony that they do to get rid of their panda so they don't have to, but their panda makes them very emotional, like super like excited or super sad or really angry it's like Mm -hmm. like the peak of their emotions is when their panda comes out and it's like giant you know Mm -hmm. and so the movie is about her name's may 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 it's about her learning to control her panda before she has to banish it and it's like it has a very linear story with puberty yeah i was thinking that's what you were saying yeah that's that's exactly what it is and so you know, it's, I thought it was a great message about like, um, you know, like controlling your emotions, but also being aware of your body and understanding that it's changing. Mm-hmm. And this is a big moment, like, you know, with the love of your family and the love of your friends, you're not a child, you're not an adult, you're in this weird place yeah. where you're like smelly and hairy it's and smelly. weird, you know, it's like, it's really kind of beautiful how they made this movie. And so I watched it with my girls and it just, it had a lot of great messages in it. I loved it. And then I saw one of my friends post on Facebook and she said, we just watched Turning Red. I think this is the first Pixar movie I've hated. (laughs) And I was like, what? Really? Yeah. And I was like, and I was interested to, I was like, wonder why. And so I'm reading her comments in the comment section and she was just like appalled. Why? That they discussed periods oh and God. they discuss like, I was like, this is, wow, this is like, way to shame yourself. <laughs> like, what? God, but, I hate that women do this to themselves. I'm embarrassed about it. It's so Yeah. Like she was, she said she watched it with her husband and her young son who was like, I think he's like maybe six or seven. And she just was like, at one point, she they was embarrassed say, I bet. 
Yeah, she was embarrassed. And I just thought, wow, she has been shamed yeah. her whole life about this. <laughs> At some point in her life, this is, this is, and that you know, sucks. what sucks is that she has like a 13 year old daughter too. That's what also sucks because I'm just thinking like, I know she is probably projecting yeah. these same insecurities onto her. So like being ashamed that you have a period or shame that you you know, you have to discuss puberty with your kids. And so I'm like seeing her comments on it because she was like, what did you think? Like that was in the in the description. I was like, you know, I'm going to tell her what I thought. And so I put on there and I, I said, I thought it was a very gentle way to open the conversation to puberty. And I said, and as a mother of two girls, I said, my biggest responsibility to them is body autonomy. And I said, and if they want to make decisions about their body, I want them to be aware of what their body is doing. Yeah. And so like, that's what I felt like this movie open that conversation about. I mean, obviously, one movie isn't going to explain everything, but I thought it was a great representation and a great way to open a discussion. I just had never thought, I guess we'd never talked about it because you're a two girl, mm-hmm. but you said that she has a girl and a boy that even yeah. when Isabel got her period after mm-hmm. she was in, over the initial shock, Yeah, I talked to Peyton about it. Yeah. I'm like, this is what happens to girls. Yeah, they go yeah. through this because they should mm-hmm. be aware of that. Exactly. I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially every other woman. Boys, I feel like yeah. yes, this is what, this is what happens to your sister, me. It happens to me. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah blah. This is girls making boys very much aware of what's happening to other members of their family. Yeah. Every other person on the planet bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean. That Why are we sucked. so ashamed of I this? Just, I don't know. I've had to talk multiple times with my son about, especially about girls. I feel like it's so important to educate my son mm-hmm. about girls mm-hmm. and what it's going through and what it's like to be a girl and how things mm-hmm. can be a little different and how you need to be respectful and how, mm-hmm. you know, I was even talking to Rob the other day, you know, we talked about sex and this and I was like, we really need to talk about the, not just the, like you're making out the what is it I'm looking for the the yes you need more than a yes you need a oh consent there, yes you want a yeah. firm mm-hmm. consent yeah mm-hmm. but that needs to yeah. be the next conversation we have with them but that exactly needs to be there as well just because mm-hmm. sometimes girls get scared and they get locked up and you think everything's yeah. fine and it's not okay you need to be checking in with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a, I think to me, and you know, obviously I'm probably fucking my kids up in some way, major way that I don't know yet. But I have always been of the mind, if you educate your children on their bodies, they are going to be more aware if something happens that's either wrong, that they don't want to happen, Mm -hmm. that they're able to tell you as a parent, or they're able to tell someone in the future that they don't want something to happen to them, you know, because they are aware and they are in control of themselves in the aspect of this is my body and nobody touches it without my consent. And the more you're open with them about it and make it not shaming and shy, Mm -hmm. the more apt they are to come to you and tell you. Yeah, they're yeah, exactly. gonna come to you because so, mm-hmm. you don't put any shame on it or make it weird or mm-hmm. things like that. So they know, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to me, I can still feel the cringe when I'll have talks with Isabel before, mm-hmm. and I'm like, inside I can feel it, but I try not to reject it when I'm like, no, yeah. you're supposed to enjoy sex. There's no shame behind it. 
we just have to be responsible. I can still inside yeah. feel a little like, ah, but. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't tell her this, how will she learn it? Because like, you know, kids who, I mean, and there's like a statistic I was listening to it the other day on this podcast where they talked about like preteens are like this much more likely to see pornography at this age mm-hmm. than this age. So it's like, you know, middle school kids are more likely to see it. It's like a really high percentage of middle school kids have seen pornography, which gives a completely false sense of sexuality of a sexual experience and if that is their first introduction to it that's what they assume sex is supposed to be so it's like if you don't give them that image and give them the correct view of sex when they seek it out on their own they're gonna get a lot of misinformation Mm -hmm. and so it's like i don't know exactly how to do this i don't know what the best way is to do it but i know if i don't talk to them about it it's gonna fuck them up like they're gonna be like having sex too soon or in a in a more high pressure situation and in a place where it's not good i remember that just last week now you said that because sex has become a little bit more of an over conversation it also teaches you to prepare your girlfriend your daughters for who is back so i remember me and my daughter were She's a lesbian, so of course she's not going to be having sex with a man. But I had said to her, if he doesn't get you off before you have intercourse, yeah, do not have we sex ta- with him. That's what we were talking about last week yeah, in that email. I, had I was like, that's, with her. I was like, I was like, that's great advice. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, because then me and her talked about it. So I try. Anytime I hear something, something sparks my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to have this conversation. Yeah, it's a great idea to have that conversation because that's something like I wouldn't have ever thought to discuss that. But it's 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 something that needs to be said because if you don't say, how do they know? Yeah. Oh God, this was that um that email we talked about before, and it's been a long time ago. But it's like Ed, do you buy your child a vibrator? Like it, you know, if that's something like, should you introduce your kid to that? Like, you know, you don't want to sexualize them too soon, but don't you want your kid to understand their own body's pleasure before they allow someone else to give it to them? I wonder if now it's easier for them to get one without you. You know, with my daughter, she's driving and mm-hmm. stuff. She's got her own yeah. debit card. She's got her own Amazon. So if she wanted one, she could mm-hmm. easily get one without even having to ask her. Yeah, maybe so. I wouldn't have thought about it though. Like, e- like even when I had access to yeah. stuff like that. No, I. But did. we also didn't have Amazon back then. I remember when we were in high school, we went to Priscilla's. Does are those still around? I don't know. Is that like a sex shop? Yeah, it's a sex shop here. There was one like on the road that everybody used to cruise up and down when you were sixteen. They had one. Uh huh. And you could go in, and we used to always get. Um, God, we were in high school. When we did this. We would, there was a $25 gift bag. You could get one for a her or a him or a mix. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it would be like a grab bag and you wouldn't know what's inside. It's just $25. Oh my God, I love it. So I remember we would go into the sex shop and I know there's one close to us in the next town. There's still, I'm surprised sex shops are still open. Like if that's still, because of the internet. I'm just surprised that's Me still too. a thing. But I wonder if it's like I said, when I was younger, we used to go because we would go and buy fun gifts. But maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe because the internet wasn't around. Because I actually remember me and my husband going there, too, when I was, like, 21, 22. Oh, wow. Huh. I don't know. I like, I, yeah, it, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation, obviously. That's a bigger discussion. But I do think, you know, if you, 
feel uncomfortable to discuss it with you because I get it that not everybody feels uh, comfortable enough to have that discussion. Our parents but, stunted us. <laughs> yes, exactly. But think about the misinformation you're giving them by not telling them the truth. At least buy them a book, <laughs> give them a website, like allow, uh, let them read the book together, you know, help them, you know, look at a website with them on it and just sit there and, uh, you know, even, they're not going to ask questions. That's my thing is like, my daughter's never going to come to me and and say like what is sex she's not that's not her she would never do that so until I make her sit down and listen to me she's not gonna get it yeah. but think- as young as she is though like at 10 the one of the books that I did read on a lady listener had recommended and I loved it and it was really body positive and I love that the book was all about her sexuality and like her body and what's going to develop and what's going to happen, like how her organs work, like that kind of thing. It didn't really focus on the sex side of it because, you know, that can be confusing at 11, you know, but I do think she should be aware at least of what her body is going to go through when she hits puberty. I think especially taking away the shame from masturbation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things like you might be uncomfortable, but it, it, it's important to have these conversations because otherwise they'll feel ashamed of it because you didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a it was a hush hush subject. So obviously something must be wrong. Yeah. You know, something must be bad. But to see a woman on Facebook just like come out and talk about how uncomfortable she was that a girl was menstruating. I was just like, wow, someone really fucked you up. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because they don't even know it. No, and how can I say that? You know, I can't really be like, yo, girl, you need to go talk to some therapist. (laughs) You know, you you missed a step, sweetheart. Like, that's what I want to tell her. But, I mean, you know, that's shit you learn with Tom, I think. You know, she's still really young, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, let's talk about Claire Hastings. (laughs) (laughs) So let me read you Claire's book bio. Again, we have Assist with us this week that she's brought us. We're super excited. Claire Hastings is a walking, talking, awkward moment. She loves Diet Coke, gummy bears, the beach, and books, obviously. When not reading, she can usually be found hanging with friends at a soccer match or grabbing food, although she probably still has a book in her purse. She and her husband live in Atlanta with their fur children, fur child, Denali. She can be found here, and she has all her stuff listed. She's on Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, BookBub, Twitter. She's on all the things. And her website is ClaireHastingsAuthor.com, and it's Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E. The book bio for Assist this week, it is really cute. It says, Delaney Stewart needs to get away from her city, her coffee shop, and her ex-boyfriend, except she can't just up and move, at least not while keeping the CPA job she's worked so hard for. Unless she has a major life event, and now she knows the guy to help. Chance Walker is living the dream, a midfielder for the Atlantic Rising Football Club. Life is perfect. The only thing missing is the childhood best friend, Delaney, and the ability to tell her that he's loved her ever since she ran into him on the playground nearly 20 years ago. When Delaney shows up on Claire's door telling him they need to pretend to be engaged, Chance agrees without thinking. He'd do anything for her, anything to be her man. But is this the assist they need, or will it be what ends them? I love it. 
Um, Claire has a new release called Offsides, which I mentioned earlier. Um, it is the book before Assist that you're about to hear. Um, chronologically, Assist comes just after Offsides, but will run concurrent with the next in the series, which is Penalty Kick. But each and every one can be read as a standalone. Um, there's the accompanying ebook for Assist, which is live today and has a whole bunch of extra story. She said she added around 60%. So if you like this story, Assist, you can get the ebook now and it's got almost I double. Know, when I see <laughs> so, that as an author, I got anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was like, how did she do this? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, this week for her giveaway, she's given away signed, paper, paper, signed paperbacks of Out of Bounds, which is the first in the Atlanta Rising Football Club series. So it's the first book in the series you're about to hear, So, which is really cool. All right. So. Well, we'll see you guys on the other side. This is Assist by Claire Hastings. Read for you by James R. Cheatham. One. The trill from the chorus of Call Me Maybe rang out, the rattle of the phone against the stone countertop grating on Chance Walker's ears. Despite the god-awful noise the vibrations caused, Chance couldn't help but smile at the ringtone. It was potentially one of the world's most annoying songs, fun and catchy, leaving you singing it for days, but it was also the sound of love, Hearing it blast from his phone meant one thing. He was about to hear the most beautiful sound in the world. The voice that always made everything okay and belonged to his best friend in the whole world, Delaney Stewart. To what do I owe the honor? He answered, cutting off the pop hit mid-hook. Delaney had programmed her own ringtone at the height of the song's popularity, exclaiming that using such a song was the funniest thing ever. At first, the only thing funny about it had been the funny looks he got from people, especially his teammates, when it rang out in public. But after a while, he'd gotten used to it and was now unable to bring himself to change it. It was Delaney through and through, and that meant it was perfect. We're getting married. Delaney exclaimed, not bothering to greet him. Her voice was rushed, clipped, sounding a lot like she had last Christmas when she was pushing him to make up his mind on a gift for his sister. Did she just say, married? Who's we? You and me. Chance's stomach flipped. He hadn't heard her correctly. There was no way. He couldn't lie. He'd imagined her saying those words a hundred times over the years. In all his fantasies, though, they'd had a lot more excitement to them, maybe even bordering on tears, rather than the strain there was to them now. We are? Yes. I need out of Chicago, away from Jeffrey. And the only way the firm would let me transfer was life status change event, or whatever the hell the damn HR girl called it. So I told them that I needed to move to Atlanta because my fiancé plays there. That's you. Fiancé. Me. Delaney's fiancé. Del, you're only about half making sense here. Start from the beginning. I thought you broke up with Jeffrey. 
Chance ran through things in his mind again. Delaney had told him that, right? He was pretty sure she had, that it wasn't just wishful thinking on his part. No, she definitely had told him that they'd broken up. His mind flashed back to the birthday party of Hector Dash Lazaro, his teammate on the Atlanta Rising Football Club, back in April. She told him when she came to town that weekend and had also mentioned it to other people at the party. Chance's heart had soared each and every time she had mentioned that she was single again. Open the door. What? Just open your front door. Chance rushed across his small living room, flinging open the door to his apartment, finding Delaney on the other side. The beautiful blonde barged inside, phone still to her ear, a suitcase large enough for the both of them to fit in dragging behind her. Why did you call if you were already here in Atlanta? Chance asked, clicking the end button on his phone. What the hell was going on? I wasn't sure if you were home or not. She shrugged, as if she knew her answer didn't make sense. You have a key for a reason. The reason being to just let yourself in. My hands were full. Delaney let out a long, ragged sigh, her shoulders slumping forward. Her whole body seemed to deflate, the phone in her hand dropping to the ground. A second later, she was wrapping her arms around him, face buried in the crook of his neck. Chance felt her relax into him even more, his own arms closing around her, holding her as tight as he could. Delaney fit perfectly against him, same as she had since they were seven years old, same as she always would. Del, Chance whispered, his hand finding the back of her head slowly stroking her hair. Her breathing slowed, matching the rhythm of his. He hated seeing her like this, and the urge to make everything better was starting to gnaw at him. I got you, no matter what. I know, she whispered in return. He held her for another long moment, enjoying the feel of her soft body pressed against his. Truth was, he could hold her like this forever. But sooner rather than later, his body was going to start getting a mind of its own, and the secret that he'd been carrying around for the last twenty years wouldn't be a secret very long. Plus, he needed to know why she was here, and not in her luxury condo in Chicago. Stepping back slowly, Chance let his eyes drift up and down Delaney's leaned form, making sure that she was physically okay. Her perfectly tanned skin glowed like she was in the sun, her pale blue eyes sparkling to match despite the summer sun having set. What's going on? I thought you and Jeffrey broke up. We did. Although broke up is maybe a bit extreme. It's not like we were together all that long. We went out, what, five or six times? I hadn't even slept with him. Hell, I'd barely kissed him. Relief washed over Chance, enjoying the new knowledge that the smarmy consultant hadn't gotten past first base with her. At least he assumed the guy was smarmy, 
After all, who spelled Jeffrey with a G? Douchebags, that's who. But, I don't know, things just weren't right. Which is why I told him I wasn't interested in taking things any further. He seemed to handle it okay when I told him that, but then... Delaney trailed off, shrugging. Biting down on her lower lip, she looked around nervously, slinking over to the couch and crashing onto it. He was just everywhere. You know, I would see him walking down the street or at the coffee shop in the morning. I mean, I guess that isn't that weird, since we did meet in line at the coffee shop, but still, it gave me the heebie-jeebies. Chance nodded, following her lead and crashing down on the couch next to her. He could understand why she felt uncomfortable. He wouldn't want to see any of the girls he'd broken up with every morning getting coffee either. He just didn't quite comprehend why that warranted a move halfway across the country. Then, he showed up at work. Again, maybe that's not all that weird? We're accountants, he's a consultant. Makes sense he would need someone to handle his taxes or whatever, but it's July. It's not even tax season. So, you asked for a transfer? I did. It sounds drastic and insane, I know. But something wasn't right, and I had to get away. Nothing is tying me to Chicago. It's a great city, but it's not home or anything. So I floated the idea of a transfer. That's when I was told I needed a life status event, and it just popped out. I was engaged. And they bought that? Delaney nodded. I told them this whole story about how, after I broke up with Jeffrey and came to visit you, we realized that we've always loved each other and just couldn't live without each other and decided to get married. Just like in the movies. Chance swallowed hard, his heart clamoring against his chest. Delaney had made up a story just like the movies. Little did she know, that tall tale she'd spun was his reality. He was in love with her. Always had been. And he couldn't live without her. He just didn't know how to tell her any of that. So he'd kept his mouth shut, just like he was doing now. They were all kinds of impressed that my fiancé was this big-time sports star, midfielder extraordinaire for the Atlanta Rising. They totally understood why I needed to move to Atlanta, to be close to you. I'm so sorry, it just popped out. You have nothing to be sorry about, Del. I completely understand if you don't want to. I know you only have the one bedroom, and I have no idea if you're even dating anyone. OMG, I should have asked that first. I'm not. It's fine. So you'll do this for me? Just long enough so that I can get established in the Atlanta office and then we can break up? So, like, a couple of months, Max? I promise you won't be stuck with me forever. What if I want to be stuck with you forever? Dell? if it's a fiancé you need, then it's a fiancé you shall have. Really? Delaney's pale blue eyes brightened, a smile taking over. A warm sensation formed in Chance's belly, the same one he got every time she smiled at him like that. 
Launching herself across the couch, Delaney threw herself at him, wrapping her arms around his neck, squeezing tight. Holding her like this was the best feeling in the world, and Chance knew there wasn't anything he wouldn't do for the opportunity for just a few seconds of it, even agreeing to be her make-believe fiancé. I guess I need to buy you a ring. Two. Walking into the elegantly decorated ballroom at Archer's Green, Atlanta's premier and very exclusive country club, Delaney kept wiggling her fingers, the bright, shiny engagement ring still feeling out of place. White gold with a one-carat marquee diamond. It sparkled under every light she came across, and even more so in the sun. In the just over two weeks since Chance had returned from an away game, dropping to one knee in his living room to slide it on her hand, Delaney had spent a lot of time staring at it. The ring was gorgeous and perfect, exactly the ring she had always dreamed of. How Chance had known, she still wasn't sure. Maybe it was just a lucky guess on his part. Or maybe her best friend really did know her that well. I'm nervous, she admitted, squeezing Chance's hand. Letting her eyes drag up and down his body, she couldn't help but admire his custom-cut black suit and his dark wavy hair must to perfection. Being on his arm like this made her feel like the belle of the ball. Don't be. I got you. The ballroom was filled with people. An elaborate buffet up against one wall, the bar opposite it. It was a lot to take in, and nerves raced through her as they made their way toward Chance's teammates. Looking around, her eyes landed on the bride and groom, Felicity Sutherland and Gunnar Grayson. The couple had eloped while in Vegas, fresh off the team winning the Fremont Cup tournament, surprising everyone. Aye, you two, a thick Irish accent called from behind them. Delaney spun around, finding the tall, Viking-esque goalie she had met back in April. And sure enough, right by his side was the sweet redhead who had been the center of his attention that night. Del, you remember Liam and Avery? I do. Although the last time I saw you, things were a little up in the air. I take it that all is right with the world now? Sure is, Liam answered. And I hear congratulations are in order for you too, Avery squealed, her southern accent quite the contrast to Liam's Irish one. Delaney swallowed hard, suddenly feeling like the room was shrinking in on her. It was one thing to lie to her co-workers, but Chance's teammates? That felt wrong. She knew the deep level of trust these guys had with each other, and telling them they were engaged when it was really just for show made her squeamish. She didn't want to be the wedge between them. Thanks, Chance answered, his arm sliding around her, pulling her into him. I didn't realize there was more between you two, Liam said. I thought you guys were just friends. Shit, 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 shit. 
Well, at Dash's party we were. But then things changed. You know how that goes. Chance continued, tap-dancing his way through the answer. Damn, was he good at this. One minute it's one thing, then suddenly everything changes. Oh, I do know, the Irishman nodded, pulling Avery close, smiling down at her. Silence fell between them, a pit starting to grow in Delaney's stomach. Why was this so awkward? She'd attended dozens of events with Chance over the years. They were each other's automatic plus one. There wasn't a single person on this planet she felt more comfortable with than him. A ring shouldn't change that. It's not the ring. It's the lie. If you two will excuse us, Chance said, breaking the silence. I think it's about time I got my beautiful fiancé out on the dance floor. I've been dying to show her off ever since she put on that dress. Biting back a smile, Delaney tried to tamp down the giddiness that was rising in her. The baby pink sundress she was wearing wasn't anything special, or anything Chance hadn't seen a hundred times. But hearing those words set off butterflies like she had never felt before. Those butterflies only grew stronger as he placed his hand on the small of her back, guiding her to the dance floor. Heat rose in her cheeks, feeling like all eyes were on her as Chance took her in his arms and started to move with the beat. The very slow, sensual beat. He'd always been a fantastic dancer, but somehow, tonight was different. The feel of his body against her. The look in his eye. There was something there she couldn't place. Whatever it was, though, she liked it. You look beautiful tonight, Del, he whispered, pulling her close. You look pretty fantastic yourself. The suit does it for you, huh? I believe Zizi Top wrote a song about that, she joked. Her voice was a lot breathier than she intended, her heart feeling like it could beat right out of her chest. Could Chance hear that? She hoped not. She had no idea why her body was betraying her like this. It didn't make any sense. This was Chance, her best friend. The one who had been with her through it all, her partner in crime. He'd been the one making mud pies with her in her backyard in elementary school. The one who had switched shirts with her in junior high when Lizzie O'Neill had taken scissors to hers in the girls' locker room during gym class, leaving him walking around in a pink, glittery tank top for the rest of the day. And it was Chance who had encouraged her to ask her crush to prom senior year, with the promise he'd be her date if the quarterback said no. He was her rock. She needed to get it together, needed a distraction. What's going on there? She asked, nodding to her left. Dash, the team's striker, was lost in a beautiful brunette, holding her close, their foreheads pressed together like they were in a world of their own. She looked familiar, but Delaney couldn't place why. Oh, that, Chance answered his voice turning gossipy. Delaney let a giggle slip out. She loved when he did this. 
That is our hotshot striker. And the coach's daughter. Scandalous. You have no idea. He's already in enough hot water after his antics in Vegas made him Twitter famous. Taking up with the boss's daughter? Chance wiggled his eyebrows, his dark eyes shimmering with mischief. Unable to hold it back, another giggle bubbled up inside her. She had no idea what had come over her, but she felt like she was floating on air. Almost as if she had drunk too much champagne and her head was swimmy. The only difference was she hadn't had anything to drink. This was all from being in Chance's arms, listening to him whisper in her ear. But while we're on the topic of scandalous things and 80s hits, you know what I think we should do? What? Let's give them something to talk about. Pretty sure Bonnie Raitt was the 90s. Chance shrugged, the impish look never leaving his face. Maybe it was, but tell me, beautiful, you want to stand here and debate that? Or do you want to give them something to talk about? His voice was deep and husky, sending a shiver straight down her spine. This was a side of Chance she'd never seen. But fuck, did she want to see more of it? I vote the latter, she answered, a coy smile taking over. Her heart was still racing, but now there was a fun, flirty feeling accompanying it. One that was goading her into acting on her newfound desires. Me too. Sliding his hand down her back, Chance squeezed her ass, changing the rhythm of his movements. The beat was still slow and sensual limiting their pace, but that didn't stop him. Rolling his hips forward, they brushed against hers, the friction of their bodies coming together, sending off sparks. Each step he took, forward, backward, then backward, forward, up to the ante, the air around them sizzling. It felt like the world around them had melted away. They were the only two left on the dance floor the music surrounding them like a cloud, leaving them with nothing but each other. Chance slowed even more, drawing her impossibly closer. Longing coursed through her. The more he held her like this, their bodies rubbing up against each other, the more she wanted. Not just more of the dancing, but of him, all of him. For the first time in her life, all Delaney could think about was what Chance's lips would feel like, what his kisses would taste like. Leaning down, Chance rested his forehead against hers, his lips just inches away, making all those thoughts and desires run wild. Kissing him would be a bad idea, though. They were only fake engaged and she didn't want to ruin their friendship. He was her rock, and she couldn't risk losing that. Then again, what harm could come from one little kiss? Surely they could withstand such a thing. They dealt with bigger, much more real problems than knowing what each other tasted like. So 
what did it matter if... Chance didn't let her finish that thought, capturing her mouth in a long, slow kiss, one that matched the grinding of his hips. His lips were soft and strong, taking charge in a way she never realized she would want in a kiss. Where had he learned to do this? Delaney's head spun, her whole body feeling weightless in his arms, lost in the feel of his tongue caressing hers. Where he learned it no longer mattered, as long as he didn't stop. Ever. All too soon, though, Chance pulled back, his forehead still resting against hers. Delaney missed the feel of him instantly, cool air rushing over her lips, making them tingle. She could hear him trying to catch his breath, his efforts matching hers. Chance? She rasped, her fingers digging into his shirt. Del? Kiss me again. Three. The sound of the TV greeted Chance as he unlocked the door, dropping his bag at the entry of his apartment. No, their apartment. He and Delaney had been living together ever since they'd gotten engaged six weeks ago, and he was loving every second of it. From the soft sound she made when she slept, to seeing her first thing when he woke up, to cooking dinner with her and catching up on their days, it was a dream come true. But nothing beat the idea of coming home to her after an away game. Except for maybe her kisses. Hey, you. Delaney didn't look up. Her eyes glued to the TV screen, leaving him wondering what could be so thrilling she didn't respond. Goal! The announcer's voice bellowed through the speakers. Delaney was watching a game? That didn't make any sense. She didn't watch sports. Hell, she only attended games for the social aspect. Unless he was playing. And even then, she didn't really follow along. Zeroing in on what was happening on screen, Chance blinked a couple of times, trying to make sure he wasn't seeing things. Delaney wasn't watching any game. It was his game from last night. Is this last night's game? He asked, walking over to the couch and sitting next to her. Placing a soft kiss at her hairline, he grabbed the remote from her lap and hit pause. I thought you said you were going to Buns to hang out with Talia. I did, she answered, shifting in her seat so she could kiss him for real. Kissing her at the reception had been a game-time decision. One he'd prayed wasn't going to ruin anything between them. He'd been thrilled when she not only kissed him back and then asked him to do it again, but that the kisses hadn't stopped after the event. Instead, they'd weaved their way into their day-to-day -day lives. Good morning, goodbye, hello, just sitting on the couch watching TV. All excuses to kiss the most beautiful woman he'd ever known and he took advantage of each one. And we had a great time. But here's the thing, she continued. I don't understand the game. Del, I've played soccer since before I knew you. You've come to my games for years and never understood it. 
What changed? Delaney shrugged. I don't know. Last night was different. I was sitting there at the bar in a sports bar that was created for women, and I was the only one who didn't know what on earth was happening. I looked like an idiot, especially as your fiancé. Chance couldn't hold back the smile taking over his face, no matter how cheesy it was. He loved hearing her say the word fiancé, that it meant something to her, even if it wasn't real. I'm sure you didn't look like an idiot. There are plenty of women who go to buns for the, uh, scenery. Delaney scoff laughed at his wording. Buns was an establishment much like Hooters, only they catered to women via half-naked waiters rather than waitresses in booty shorts. If there were, they weren't sitting by me. So you decided to come home and watch the recording? Chance bit his lip, trying to hold back a laugh. Delaney's face was scrunched in a look of concern that was so damn cute that all he wanted to do was kiss it off her. But her eyes told him she was serious, and he knew better than to mess with her when she was like this. Delaney was probably the strongest woman he knew, and she would have no problem putting him in his place if she thought he was mocking her. I thought that maybe if I watched it here that I could, like, study it? Then it would suddenly make sense? Because for the life of me, I do not understand what offside means. The player receiving the ball is closer to the opponent's goal than the ball and the closest opponent, he answered, reciting the statute. Was that supposed to be helpful? Delaney sassed back. Offside is kind of like porn. You know it when you see it. Staring back at him, her face deadpan, Delaney's pale blue eyes shimmered, lighting him up inside. If she wanted to understand the game, then there was nothing he would stop at to make sure she got what she wanted. Okay, beautiful, he continued, sliding his arm around her and hauling her into him. Her skin was soft under his touch her beautiful long legs on display thanks to the itty-bitty shorts and tank she was wearing. Let's start this bad boy from the beginning, and I'll explain it as we go. Really? she exclaimed, throwing her arms around him and pulling him in for a hot, hard kiss. Her tongue found his almost instantly, sending lightning through his veins. Fuck! Did she know how to kiss? Chance's dick twitched, blood rushing to his groin as his whole body reacted to her breasts rubbing against him. He needed to stop, to pull away, before this got out of hand. He wanted her. There was no doubt about that. But he also didn't want to lose her. Reminding himself this engagement was fake, he slowly backed off his efforts tucking her back into his side. Making out might not be a good idea, but he wasn't giving up on cuddling. He wasn't a complete masochist. They sat and watched the game, pausing at what felt like every 15 seconds as Delaney asked another question. If it had been anyone else, it would have been annoying, but her sudden interest in his job 
in the sport that he loved so much made him feel all warm and fuzzy inside. What is Liam screaming at you guys? Delaney asked as the game clock approached 90. He's always flailing his arms around with that grumpy look on his face. He's giving us directions. He has a unique vantage point since he's in the box the whole time, so he sees things we don't. I believe his exact words in that moment, though, were, just kick it over the wee lad's head, referring to how short Portland's forward is. He did not. Playfully elbowing him in the gut, Delaney shifted herself so she was all but in his lap. Chance's dick twitched again, the constraints of his skivvies starting to register. He did. Delaney shook her head, obviously not believing him. Doesn't it bother you that you can't use your hands? Oh, I can use my hands, he whispered, his words laced with innuendo. Casually sliding his hands up her sides, he slipped his fingers under her tank top, her warm skin soft to the touch. He swiftly fluttered his fingers over her curves, tickling her until she let out a squeal. The sound filled the entire apartment, bouncing off the walls, making Chance giddy with excitement. Not fair, Chance. All's fair in love and war, Dell. Oh, really? She drew out, shifting in his lap so she was facing him. Delaney ran her hand down his chest, leaving a hot trail. Chance was sure he was going to combust at any moment, feeling her shift directly over his hard-on. So, it's fair if I just go ahead and grab... Delaney gasped, her mouth slack-jawed, eyes going wide as recognition hit her of what she had just grabbed. His dick. His rock-hard dick. Chance froze too afraid to move as heat burned his cheeks. So much for keeping his reaction to her hidden. Secret was out. Now he just needed to find a way to explain. It's not... Is this for me? She asked coyly, casually rubbing her hand along the bulge. Only since we were twelve. Maybe? I sure hope it is. Did she just... No, I'm hearing things. Do you now? Delaney nodded, licking her lips. That one simple move made all the remaining blood in Chance's body go straight to his dick, lust taking over. It didn't matter now if this was a good idea or not, or what might happen after. The only thing Chance could think about was this stunning blonde in his lap and rocking her world. Well then, let me show you what else I can do with my hands. Not giving her an opportunity to answer, Chance yanked Delaney into him, kissing her hard. His hands moved the rest of the way up her body, finding her breasts bare underneath her tank. She moaned into their kiss as his thumbs found her nipples, tweaking them into taut peaks. Her core ground against his erection, sending him into even more of a frenzy. 
Holding back from the kiss, Delaney whipped off her tank top, showing off the most beautiful tits he'd ever seen. Chance's mouth watered. Delaney gave him a wink, wiggling in his lap, somehow managing to remove her shorts, revealing her completely bare mound. Oh, fuck. Your turn, she said, reaching for the button on his pants. Not yet, beautiful, he said, grabbing her hand. Delaney opened her mouth to respond, but all that came out was another moan as his hand slid down her body straight to her pussy. Soft, smooth skin greeted him, encouraging him to keep going. His fingers quickly found her clit, circling it slowly as a brief hello. She was already wet, sending a rush of pride through him. He liked knowing that she got just as worked up from their kisses as he did. Chance? The sound of his name was sweet, even in her breathy tone. It was also all he needed to continue his journey, fingers swirling in her wetness, toying with her entrance. Delaney swiveled her hips, searching out what her body was craving, but Chance held back. He wanted to draw this out, making this perfect. The whimper that escaped next, though, told him she needed it. And who was he to argue? He slipped two fingers inside her, searching out the spot he knew would send her over the edge. Delaney rocked her hips, pushing her breast forward. He captured a nipple in his mouth, sucking hard, his thumb finding her clit again. That was all Delaney needed. Her pussy spasmed around his fingers and her back arched as she let out a howl unlike anything Chance had ever heard. It was the most amazing noise ever, though, and he couldn't wait to make her howl like that again, over and over. Collapsing forward, she buried her face in his neck, long, winded breaths starting to slow down. Chance, she whispered, her voice muffled by his shoulder. I got you, Del, he whispered in return. Sitting up, she looked him in the eye, a wicked grin on her face. You certainly do. Now it's really your turn. Resisting You by Daphne Elliott, an enemies to lovers small town romance. Everyone in the small town of Havenport loves Luke Kim. Everyone except for Nora Rossi, that is. Nora has a fashion empire to build and an old house to repair, so she's not interested in romance, especially not with a cocky billionaire neighbor she loves to hate because she's been burned before. But then fate starts a fire. When Nora needs help, Luke jumps at the chance to spend more time with the curvy Spitfire who makes his heart race. The sparks and insults start flying and pretty soon they start to feel the heat. When the smoke clears, can they forge their enemies to lovers passion to happily ever after? Authors note, Resisting You is a full-length, standalone, enemies-to-lover romance featuring forced proximity, explosive chemistry, and a guaranteed happily ever after. 
may contain adult language, graphic sexy times, lots of frenemy banter, rowdy senior citizens, home improvement disasters, and sprinkle of kink. If this is your first visit to Havenport, welcome and get ready to swoon. That's Resisting You by Daphne Elliott, an enemies to lovers small town romance. Get it now. Welcome back. Hey. All right, so be sure and check out Offsides, which is out now, and get Assist and Ebook, which is out today. If you want to go grab some more, if you like this and you want more in it, you go get the ebook. And then don't forget to enter the paperback giveaway of Out of Bounds this week. So, all right, don't forget you can it. catch everything in the show notes that that's we talked right. about. All the good stuff we talked about. <laughs> all right, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine, or you could sit back, 